You're listening to Mind Your OT Business, a podcast to empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, the ever honest, always 100% real, Laura Park Figueroa. I'm the founder and owner of Outdoor Kids OT, a leader in the nature-based therapy movement, as well as a business coach for therapist entrepreneurs exclusively in my Business Better Ops group coaching program. I hope that what you hear on this podcast will empower you to take action, even when you feel a little bit afraid. So are you ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hello, friend. Welcome to Mind Your OT Business, episode 65. As I say that, I still laugh because I still get nervous every time before I hit record on an episode, doing an intro, doing an interview, whatever I'm doing for the podcast, I am nervous before I hit record. And I think that highlights how anytime you're doing something, there are always going to be mindset challenges. And before we dive into this episode, I want to talk about a way that you can get over some of your own mindset challenges and learn how to take action in your business to grow and scale it more quickly than you might otherwise. And that is by joining us at the OT Entrepreneur Summit Live in November 12th to the 14th, 2021 in Boca Raton, Florida. We have 70. I looked this morning. There may have been a few more sign up today. We have 70 people signed up for this event. Other occupational therapy entrepreneurs who are running all different kinds of businesses. And this year, our theme is be, do, have. And what we mean by that is who do you need to be in order to do the right things to have the results that you want in your business? We are going to clarify values and mission to lean into who we need to be in our businesses, really embracing that role of CEO. We're going to do things. We're going to work on our businesses, taking deep dives into building a framework for your business growth, strategic marketing to help you have a steady flow of clients by telling your own unique story. We're going to talk about team building. We're going to talk about lots of other topics that we have special guest expert OT entrepreneurs sharing about. And the whole event is just going to be an incredible experience. So I want to meet you there live in person. You are going to leave this event inspired for the future and excited about running your business rather than overwhelmed. And who knows, maybe you will make a few new business besties like me by the end of the weekend. We're going to have so much fun. We have lots of surprises up our sleeve, Trish Williams and I, my co-host for this event with me. And you still have time to get your tickets until November 1st. You can go to otesummit.com to get your ticket now. And now we are going to dive in to this episode. Amira Condoli is on this episode with me. And this was one of my favorite, favorite interviews because I love Amira and I love Instagram. And that is what we talked about. So if you're wondering how to use Instagram for your business, this is the episode for you. I learned so much from talking to Amira. Amira built a platform, I guess you would say. I don't know. Her account on Instagram is over 10,000 people, maybe even more now. I haven't looked today. But I really feel like Amira models what it means to have an engaged community and really serve people on Instagram. And 
my conversation with her just highlighted why I love Instagram because it is an enjoyable way to connect with potential clients and listeners like you of the podcast. I love connecting with listeners on Instagram. And you'll also hear in how this episode in our conversation, how Amira gave me some constructive criticism about my own Instagram account, which I asked for. She wasn't giving unsolicited advice. I actually said audit my account and share it honestly on the air. So you'll see my own insecurity. You'll see my own mistakes on display to help you be more comfortable taking action and putting yourself out there on social media. I hope. I hope my embarrassing moments actually help you in some way as I share them on this podcast. So that's it. And I hope you don't hear my son yelling in the background. He's watching some kind of sports game with his dad in the living room. And I just I had to record right now. And this was the best place to do it. So there he is in the background if you hear him. And let's dive into the episode. Welcome, Amira. I'm so thankful you're here. Thanks for making time and cannot wait for this conversation. I'm so excited. I'm trying to contain it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We were just chatting before we hit record and we got a little animated. And then I was like, okay, wait, we have to start recording. We started talking about some really great things that we will will touch on for the listeners here. So let's start. Let's give everyone an introduction to yourself. And we're going to focus this conversation on Instagram, building community on Instagram, using it to market your business, how you can make money on Instagram. And so let's hear about your Instagram account and also your business as you introduce yourself. Yes. So hello, hello. My name is Amira. I am, of course, a occupational therapist. I work in pediatrics in the early intervention setting, and I have been practicing for almost two years exactly now. I'm coming up on my two-year license renewal, actually, in about a week. (laughs) So that's very exciting. So I work in early intervention full-time, and I started in January of 2020 of course, the year that everything (laughs) had a little wacky in the world, I started independent contracting in pediatric home health. So I formed an LLC, Marvelous Miracles Pediatric Therapy. And the LLC really first started out as me just doing evaluations and treatments for my pediatric home health clients on the side. And from there, it has just grown and blossomed into this whole business that I could have never, ever imagined Mm. would have happened in such a fairly short amount of time. So I joined the Instagram community in April, I believe it was April in 2020. So a couple months after starting my LLC, and I started really with the intentions on connecting with other professionals in occupational therapy, but also in the early intervention world. Because if you Mm -hmm. are in early intervention, you know that a lot of times you're on your own and you're looking for that guidance and that mentorship. And so it was also... There's work going on on Amira's apartment. So we'll just ignore that bang that we heard. Continue. (laughs) So I was looking to connect. And of course, it was during the quarantine. And so no one was going anywhere. And so I was kind of feeling some of that isolation and loneliness. And so I was like, you know what? I've had a a couple of other OT friends in the Instagram community. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to make an account and see what happens. And so I started out again, just really focusing on early intervention, sharing my life as a new grad in early intervention. And I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And then what happened from there is I connected with Sarah Putt and Danielle DiLorenzo, and they were like the best minds in early intervention. And I was like, wow, these two women are phenomenal. They are such an inspiration to me. And so we really formed this friendship. And from there, we started another kind of business called the Real OTs of Early Intervention. So when that happened, 
I took a step back on Instagram and I was like, well, now what do I want to talk about? Because now Mm. I'm talking about early intervention in another space. So what is it? What is something else that really sparks joy for me? What is something that I am passionate about? And I started to move into the personal finance community. And that is kind of my most recent shift. And so now my business is really this like almost three, four part thing. So Mm -hmm. I do still have my LLC where I do independent contracting and I see a couple of clients in pediatric home health. And now I also do personal finance coaching. I have held a webinar. And so all of these, so at digital products, I'm looking now into doing digital products and how can I just continue to educate on something that I'm so passionate about, but reaching more people. And so that's a part of it. And then also the early intervention business that we have together. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely a lot of kind of pots (laughs) that I have my hand in, but I love it all. And I've, I've loved how I have been able to use Instagram really to promote so many different businesses and to form these different businesses. Okay. I was writing furiously while you were talking because there's so many things that I want to draw listeners attention to in, in what you just talked about. I don't even know where to start. So the first thing I noticed was when you said I, I formed, I, I formed relationships with Sarah and Danielle, and they were like, you know, putting out a lot of content on early intervention and, and this idea of not being afraid to reach out to people on social media who are doing what you want to be doing and form relationships with them. Like real businesses are started by doing that. You are a perfect example of that. So I I just loved that comment because you weren't afraid to kind of form these connections with people. A lot of times people don't reach out or they're fearful if someone else is doing a similar thing to them. And I just love that idea of like, together we're stronger and we could form something together. And I just, it's just so great. So I just saw on your account a couple of days ago, we're recording this in late July of 2021, that you kind of have formally said on your Marvelous Miracles account that you are going to be focusing more on personal finance there. So is that kind of how, has it helped you to kind of divide your attention as to where you are putting content on the platform, putting it, the early intervention is the real OTs of EI, and you're going to focus more on EI there. And then on your personal account, you're going to do more finance. And I think faith too, you've talked about faith too, a little bit. So, so talk about that a little bit about why you made that decision and how it's helping you manage your multifaceted business interests, (laughs) which I can relate to. So, (laughs) yes, yes. So my little slogan for, okay. My first slogan that will always be my slogan is helping little miracles fulfill big dreams. That is Mm. what I do in intervention. And that is kind of where that name came from. Marvelous miracles. There's a whole backstory. And I talked about it on my Instagram before, but so my, my now slogan is kind of helping you grow in OT faith and finance because those are the big, the three big areas of my life. So I love OT. I'm passionate about OT. I'm also really into faith. So I am a spiritual person. Like I go to church, I Mm -hmm. pray and all of these things just give me that foundation that I need to then be able to show up for others. And so that's a big part of what I talk about. And, you know, while I do have faith in God, I recognize that people might have faith in other things. And so just being able to lean into that faith, I I think is so important, whether you're pursuing OT, whether you want to get out of debt, you have to have faith that you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do. So OT, faith and finance are kind of like my three big pillars on my Marvelous Miracles platform. So with that being said, yes, I had started to try to mix the early intervention and the finance content. And I was just kind of hitting like a, 
almost a creative rut. I was kind of stuck. Yeah. because I think I was switching back and forth so much. I also realized I wasn't really meeting my audience where I needed to meet them anymore. So there were a lot mm. of people who had came into the Marvelous Miracles community thinking I'm talking about personal finance because they had seen like a finance reel or a finance post or something like that. And so then they weren't really engaging with that early intervention and OT content. And so then that was decreasing that reach. So that's something I'm sure that we'll talk about is just kind of where, where, how are your posts able to reach who they're meant to be reaching? And I feel like I, my audiences were so different at one point that it wasn't reaching who it needed to reach. So that's Hmm. how I've kind of made the decision over the, really the past couple of weeks, this is pretty new that I just wanted to switch and focus entirely on finance content, but for healthcare professionals. Yeah. Of course it can be for anyone, but that's really my focus is for healthcare professionals and those in the OT community. And then I wanted to put my early intervention content somewhere else so that if that's all you want to see, then that's a place that you can see. That's a place that I'm going to show up a hundred percent talking about babies and toddlers and therapy ideas and Mm -hmm. all of that good stuff. And so just being able to give people that choice of what they're consuming. I think that's so important is to be able to give people a choice in what they want to consume. And, you know, finance, I recognize as something that can be very overwhelming for people. And I didn't, I wanted them to have that choice. If they are wanting that content, they know where to get it. But if they just want me to talk about early intervention, there's somewhere that they can do that without kind of having that finance in their face too. Yeah. And I think I saw you do that. I saw you take that data from your current audience because you did a lot of stories where you were, I'm obsessed with your Instagram. Can you tell? Like, (laughs) I watch everything you do. (laughs) So Because I really do look to people that I respect and admire the way they run their businesses. And I look at what they do on Instagram to help me, you know, like it's, it's, it's not wrong to do that. You can look at what other people are doing that you admire and really use it to inform your own practices on social media. And so I saw you do that when you pulled your audience, essentially, this was a few weeks ago. I think I, I, I don't take notes or anything when I stalk your (laughs) account. So I don't know when it was. I do a lot of polls though. So yeah, no. So that's like, but I remember, I I vaguely remember you doing something that was like, what what are you here for? Mostly EI, mostly finance or something like that. So you got data from your audience and you could kind of think about how to serve them well on your account. And that goes, that goes back to strategy, you know, using a strategy when you are on social media is really important. I think the word strategy can often be overused in business, <laughs> but, but for me personally, like a very simple, this is the essence of my strategy. I'll just put it out there. If it helps anyone is my business Badrox program that I run for, it's a group, a business group coaching program. It, we focus on mindset operations, marketing, and finances. And so for me, that is a really great framework for putting out content on social media. So I can ask myself, does this relate to an entrepreneurial mindset, automating your operations, doing good marketing and organizing your finances in your business? And so those are the four kind of topics that I talk about. I also talk about sales some, which is not the same as marketing, but I didn't want to add a fifth bedrock. So anyway, (laughs) sales is just in there somewhere. (laughs) Um, Marketing and sales. It's one topic, even though they're two different things. But so that's, that's what I mean is having some sort of rubric through which you're filtering your content so that it's not just kind of a mishmash all over the place and people don't know what to expect. I think that's a really important thing. And I love how for you as the business owner, I feel like it, it helps you focus your attention too, because you kind of can put it in different buckets and it it's, 
easier. You're not as scattered. I don't know if it has, have you felt since you've divided it that way? Does it feel a little more easy in some way? Absolutely. Yes. And I can say when I first started my Instagram, that's exactly the strategy I had. I just, I was really just talking about early intervention and babies. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was it. And from there I started to once. So once I had, you know, a great group of people and friends on Instagram and I could see that they liked that content, then I said, okay, Hey, maybe I'll talk a little bit about something else. And so then I started talking about like motivation and encouragement and inspiration and different things like that and faith. And so I started to tie that in. And then I saw they responded well to that. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll talk a little bit about what it's like being a newlywed. And so I started talking a little Mm. bit about marriage and, and those different things. And so I find that when you are first starting out on Instagram, though, it's so important to really niche down or niche. What do you say, Laura? Niche or niche? I think I say it different (laughs) ways at different times. I think niche you say niche. niche. I think I say niche, but either way is right to me. So use whatever you like. Okay. I'm always so like, so no, I don't know how to say it either. <laughs> okay. So I think it's so important. I say niche to niche down and really pick like maybe one or two things that you focus on so that when people first come to your profile, it's yes. not like a lot of stuff going on. And it also helps you as the creator to be able to like brain dump just one topic. So imagine I'm trying to brain dump for OT faith and finance all at once. It's really difficult. So I have to it's pick one thing. I'm going to brain dump everything that I want to talk about. And I just find that it's so much easier again, when you're first starting out to do that, and then you can expand and then you can talk about other things. So now I talk about a wide variety of topics, but my core, well, my core used to be early intervention. Now it's moved, but my core now is OT and finance. And so I think just being, just being able to have a profile that people know this is primarily what I'm going to get, but they might also talk about some other things too. Right. And I think knowing, knowing on Instagram too, what goes where is important. So, I mean, I don't know that we need to go into that in detail here, but I, funny story, my teenagers, when I first got on Instagram. So I remember I, when I first committed to really going all in on Instagram and like starting to provide valuable content there was around the same time you did in, in, cause it was right before I went to the social media marketing world conference, which if anyone wants to figure out social media, that is the place to go. It is an amazing conference that kind of keeps you up to date on what is new and up and coming and best practices on social media. And I paid what at the time I thought was a pretty significant amount of money to go. And it was so worth the money. It was the one of the best experiences of my professional life. So I could go on and on. But anyway, And I remember at that conference, I was very focused because it's easy to get overwhelmed. They have things on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and, you know, keynote speakers talking about motivational things. And I really at that conference for three days was just, I am focusing on Instagram. I'm going to go to all of the experts on Instagram and I'm going to soak up everything that they have to say. I also went to a few copywriting things because I love copywriting, but that's when I really started to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I started to produce more content there. So that was like a year and a half ago, about the same time that you got started. Now my account has not grown nearly like yours. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. You're going to school me on how to to grow more. But at that conference, one of the things they talked about was exactly what you said, which was, you know, you see people who are very successful in business sharing things about like their morning routine or their workout routine or whatever. But like, that's because they've already established that you go to them for helpful content about business or whatever, whatever their topic is. Right. So they called it something like 
I want to say glass ceiling, but that wasn't what it was. It was like getting past the wall, you know, like when you've, when you've produced enough content that people are following you enough for a known source of valuable information about a specific niche, niche, niche topic, (laughs) then, then they, they naturally are more interested in kind of the other elements of your life. And so that's where stories come in on Instagram for me. Like I put stuff on stories. That's like, just, Oh, we finally got a stove you guys. Cause I we moved, that. And, you know, like just whatever. I mean, it's just, people <laughs> like to see behind the scenes of your life, but if that becomes too much of your content, it doesn't help people. It's about you instead of about them, you know? So making it about your customer as much as possible while also sharing the, behind the scenes, kind of little insights into your life, I think is, is a balance that we all have to strike on our Instagram accounts, you know, like just knowing what goes where my teenagers used to be like, Oh my gosh, mom, that should not have been a post that. Why did you put that as a post? That is a story. You know? And I'm like, what? I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. So I've learned now they they were right. That some things, if you go way back on my Instagram account, you'll see some. But anyway, so yeah, it's really important to kind of know the topic you're talking about. Okay, so let's talk about advice for new or established, because I think this is a nice segue. People who are running businesses, what advice would you have for them to use social media to connect with their ideal customer and build community? That's something I think that you've done really well. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts come to mind when I ask that question. So that's like the most important thing about being on Instagram. And I think it's, I don't want to sound cheesy, but like the most beautiful part of having Mm -hmm. that community is having a group of people that are truly going to support and motivate and encourage you. And I feel like I spent a lot of time in the beginning, really building that community and establishing those connections and genuine friendships. I mean, I have like genuine friends with people who I have never met in real life. I mean, I have two amazing business partners who I have never met in real life. And so I think spending time just cultivating those relationships, remembering to just show up authentically And so I I guess what I used to do in the beginning is really just making sure that like I engage with their content as well. Like if if it's something that's speaking to me, I'm going to let you know it's speaking to me. I'm going to DM you and tell you that, you know, thank you so much for posting that. I'm going to share that information. And it's not like a give to get kind of situation. You don't want to look at it like that. But when you are new in a space, you can't just expect people to like flock to your page and give you all this engagement if you haven't really poured that out into their pages as well. And so, you know, I really just think that goes to show it's kind of like, you got to make the first move (laughs) when you get on Instagram, you really have to make those first moves. Like, I can't remember. I think Laura, maybe I reached out to you for, because you were having like the OT entrepreneur summit. And I think I kind of reached out to you and I said, I was really excited about it or something like that. But you were someone that I was looking up to in the community. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, hi, I'm going to reach out and introduce myself. And so I think that's just such an important thing that you have to do when you first join the community. And then from there, like I said, just cultivating those relationships. So making sure that you're, you know, interacting with your friends and things like that, and then it'll naturally happen for you. So it's not like you have to Mm. seek out people to be able to engage with your content. And the reason that it's, you know, so important, quote unquote, for people to engage with your content is because that increases your reach. And so that increases the amount of lives that you're able to touch and to impact. That's kind of how I look at it. I don't look at it just as, oh, this post I reached 5,000 followers. For me, it's like, that's 5,000 eyeballs who have Mm -hmm. seen this post and 
whether they follow me or not, I just am glad that I was able to impact them in some way. You know what I mean? So I think it's really important to just make sure that you have that community that's going to engage with you so that then you are able to get your content out there and reach who you want to reach. Yeah, that's, I love that advice. And I have a question related to that. So I think I want to do that more. And, and personally, I have struggled to find, it's like, I don't know what the most, I don't scroll a lot on Instagram. Honestly, I don't like sit there and mindlessly scroll and stories is all people you're already following anyway. Right. So Mm -hmm. you don't find new people there, but I genuinely want to, as a business coach focused on mostly OTs, but also healthcare, kind of how you're doing finance. It's like business coaching is business coaching and it applies to speech therapists and mental health counselors and physical therapists. Like I would welcome all of those people into my program. However, it's like, I have a hard time finding them to be able to engage and support and encourage them. Like whether they become my customer or not. Right. I, I want to be how you just said, like on Instagram, I want to be a helpful encourager to people who are running private practices or businesses as healthcare entrepreneurs. So how do I find them? I feel like the same people come across my, my feed all the time. Like when I do scroll and I don't know whether I need to follow different hashtags, is that how I would find them? And they would show up in my feed more like what's the best use of my time to efficiently find people who might be my ideal customer for the purpose of supporting them and engaging with them, even if they never pay me a dime just to be helpful in the community. So do you know what I have been doing the past couple of months, just playing around with this? And it's actually worked out pretty well for me. It is making friends in other people's comment sections. So there's like a lot of really big finance accounts that I follow. And I mean, like massive, like hundred thousand yeah. and and they're amazing, but I'm like, I might not get that one-on-one connection with them the way right. I want, but who, who is, who are they attracting? Because it's likely that that's the same person that I want to attract that I feel like I can help as well. And so then, or it's just people that I want to learn from. So kind of both sides to what I'm doing here is I, I want to be that educator in personal finance for the healthcare professionals or general. And then I also want to find more people to learn from. And I have found that I've been able to find a lot of people in those big accounts comments. And so I'll just comment back to their comment or I'll like their comment or I'll go and follow them. And so I've actually established some really cool connections that way without me having to do all the scrolling, like you're saying. Yeah. For me, I find that I cannot consume more than I create. And when I do that, it completely disrupts my own creative process. And I start with that terrible imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I start comparing myself and it's just not, it's like not a healthy thing for me. So I have to be very careful with how much I'm just kind of scrolling through like the explore page or even through reels. And so I like that I can do that. And then I can, you know, look at their page and, Oh, what are they talking about? Or what can I identify that I might be able to help them with? And maybe they'll want to follow me and get some more information. So that's kind of like, that's the way that I have I've really, really liked over these past couple of months. Yeah. That is such good advice because it feels more fun to actually be interacting with people than to just be mindlessly scrolling and trying to find someone that you could possibly comment on, you know, like, like it, it feels like a better use of your time to be really be actively spending time commenting in a conversation rather than like mindlessly scrolling. I actually, it's so funny. I created a visual in Canva that I never, do you ever do this? Like I create things in Canva and then I forget that I created them. And you just reminded me, (laughs) I created a whole carousel of like 
consume, you know, create more than you consume or something like that. And like how to, how I kind of think about creation of content, because I really put blinders on and do not look at what other business coaches are doing because I don't, it, it does, it puts you in a space of like not being able to think clearly for yourself. Mm-hmm. So when I am creating content, I do not look at what other people in my similar industry are, are doing because it just, it just clouds me. I can't, I can't think straight. But I actually, you just reminded me that I'm like, I have that visual somewhere in there. I I should use that. Like, (laughs) and and I just never, I never got around to posting it, but it is important. I'm glad you brought that up for people because I think too often we're bound by that fear of that putting ourselves out there as entrepreneurs that that's like, we have to get comfortable with just taking those risks, putting ourselves out there, make the comment, make the post better done than perfect. Just do it y'all. Like, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's dive into a little bit. I want to hear really quick before we get into kind of monetizing, I want to hear about when you felt like your account really got traction and growth, because we chatted a little bit before we hit record about how I have felt a little bit frustrated by slow growth in my account, even though I know that I've monetized and made tons of connections. Like I have a very engaged audience, right? But I feel like, I think I was around when I went to that conference, when you came on to Instagram, when you started on Instagram, I think I had maybe, I don't even remember, honestly, it was maybe like seven or 800 followers maybe. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at like 2,100, I think, which is like, okay, fine. Double the growth in a year and a half, but that's not, you came on and now you're like at 10,000 something. So I want, I want you to talk about why you think that is and feel free to compare our accounts. I'm, you know, me full transparency. I'm, I'm game for you to constructively criticize and why you think that is. And also when you feel like you got traction and really started to see the growth kind of happening more rapidly than maybe it did when you first, first started. So I think there's a lot of parts to this. And it's interesting because when I first started out, I I did not have a growth strategy. I wasn't familiar with like Instagram marketing. Like I had no background in this, even though I do have actually a couple of really close friends who are in like the blogger and influencer world. And so they share tips and different things like that. But I really, I had zero knowledge. I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) All I knew is that I wanted to, you know, have this connection. And so I have found that my growth has come in spurts and Oh, interesting. It, it all goes back to something. And so I'll just kind of start with the first one. So the first thing I did that I feel like gained traction and drew in a lot of different people was my inequality and early intervention series. And it's oh, the one where I explored, I, I pulled out research and I showed that there was this issue of lack of representation in early intervention programs that I was seeing not only in my state, but I was hearing from a lot of different people. And I found that that sparked a huge discussion, not so much a debate, just a discussion, people just sharing their own insights. And it was getting shared a lot, a lot. And I also have to recognize that around the time that I did that was when there was a lot of just unrest going on in our world. There was a lot of stuff that was going on on the news and, you know, police brutality and things like that. And so it was kind of, I don't want to say it was like a hot topic, but it was something that was 
finally, thankfully on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And so, and I didn't strategically plan that at all. It was just something that I started reading one night after I got off work, uh, an article. And I was like, Whoa, this is an issue. This (laughs) has to be shared. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. And I was connecting with early other people in early intervention at this point, I was a couple of weeks into my Instagram and I was like, I wonder if anyone else is going through this. And so I just, I, one night I created a post, I didn't plan on it being a series and that post it's still to this day, I think like my number two, like top anything, yeah. the, the most likes shares reach. And it showed me that there were people who wanted to know more. And so then I did like a whole four part series on it, but I found, I gained like hundreds and hundreds of people through that, through that series. So that was really the first, I could say, point where I was like, whoa, okay, so this is what people like. They like research and they like to hear about, you know, really important issues and different things like that. And so that that was the first thing that I did. And then from there, I would say kind of the second burst happened right around. I rolled out a couple of other series. So I called it What to Do Wednesday, where I explored different things that happen in early intervention and what you can do when that happens. And it was every Wednesday. And then I rolled out Session Sneak Peaks. And those are where I was sharing exactly mm-hmm. what his life looked like in early intervention. And I kind of like a case study type thing. And those were on Tuesdays. And after those, anytime I posted those, I found that I would get like a lot of new people. And I was like, huh, okay. Mm-hmm. People like this. People like just seeing what's happening in the day-to-day and just really getting those practical tips and tricks. And so that was kind of the second wave of, I could say growth. And then this last wave that I've had has been all about finance. And this is the one that I probably had the most growth, I think. I think it has been the most growth. And I think that's because it's something that not a lot of people are talking about, especially Mm -hmm. in healthcare, especially in OT. And I think that people are finally feeling like, wow, I have someone who gets it. She is also in six figures of student loan debt and she's talking about it openly. And so it, for me, and for me, I just wanted to connect with other people who are in that situation. And then I wanted to share like, how am I getting through that situation? And so I have, I've just found that you know, once you find that we call them pain points, like what is it Mm. that people need help with and how can you serve them? And so I found that to be one of those pain points that people are just really drawn to. And they're just really, really responding well to with that being said, I think that the, the thing that has really helped me has been not only consistency, but these series, I think that people Mm. like knowing what to expect. And the the thing that I think about, I think I saw this analogy somewhere is, you know, how we, we like series. We are Netflix bingers. We like to know that something is going to come on every Tuesday at 6 PM. We're going to sit down and watch it. And so I have really found that giving people something to expect. So on my profile, you kind of have a good idea of what to expect. Well, not anymore, because again, I shifted from earlier on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we did the same thing on Thursdays. That was a blog post. And on Fridays, that was a reel. And that has kind of been the consistency that I've had. Now it helps me not only as a creator, because I know every Thursday I need to have a blog post ready to go on Fridays. I do a reel, but I think it has also helped the audience know what to expect. And it has that consistency. And I think that has been a huge part of why people have came and have stayed for that. Systems. I love this. I love what you are talking about. This is like (laughs) my bread and butter. The thing I love more than anything in the world systems. I love creating systems. I love when business owners have systems. I help business owners make systems like, but the, the beauty of that, of what you just said is that it helps you have less overwhelm as a business owner, as a content creator, right? And it helps your customer 
have valuable content. Like it's, it's like a win-win situation. Win-win. So I, I love it. I love it. And I actually, I, I, you're helping me because I feel like I could so easily do this on my Instagram account. I could so easily be like, okay, marketing Monday, I'm going to talk about a marketing tip and things to know Tuesday, ask me a question or something like that, where it's like, I, I love doing the question series. I want to do that more often. Like ask me anything like, mm-hmm. I, I wish there was a day of the week that rhymed. I, I love alliteration and like rhyming and like me too. <laughs> make, making things like memorable. Right. So it's like, ask me anything Saturday that doesn't work, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> it's just sound good. I got to find a, a new title for that, but you're talking about systems. And then the other thing that I jotted down while you, while you were talking was that you said how you started to share things about being a new grad, having a lot of debt, managing personal finances, and not being an expert on that, but you were walking people through how it was working for you to live that life, to learn how to manage your finances well, even if you have debt and even if you're just out of school and working in your first position. And I think I want everyone who is listening to hear that, that you do not have to be an expert, quote unquote, to share valuable information with people because that is, I I, I don't know that that's really imposter syndrome because I feel like imposter syndrome is more you're an expert or you know enough, you're really an expert on something, but you don't believe that you are. But I would say this is different in that letting people into your experience and what has worked for you could actually be beneficial for a lot of people. You do not have to be an expert on it to put yourself out there and share information. And I I did this exact same thing when I started this podcast. I was like, I'm not, who am I to start a podcast on business? I've only been a business owner for four years now. And what, why would I do this? And I shouldn't do this because I'm not an expert. And, and yet I went at it like, okay, I'm just going to be like the conduit of information to people. (laughs) Like, I'll bring the experts on. Like Mandy Chamberlain was my first guest. She was so kind. I don't even know how many times I interrupted her in that interview. Like, (laughs) I've gotten much better at being quiet, but anyway, she just was so gracious. And she, I saw her as an expert, you know, who could really help people learn about, I think we talked about creating an online business, right? So anyway, I just want to give you accolades for putting yourself out there, sharing vulnerably your experience with people in order to help them. And that, that is what resonates with people. Like we don't need a bunch of more experts telling us what to do. We need real people who are willing to share their real experience behind the scenes, what works for them. And I think that that has a lot of power. So anyway, I just love that. that. It's that relatability. And I think about what do I enjoy when I open up my app? It's someone who has been through what I am going through, or they're currently going through it too. And they're sharing how they're getting through it. I think, you know, And at first I was like, well, maybe like, who am I to tell? So my big thing has been investing. And I was like, who in the world am I to talk about investing? I just started what four months ago now. And now I actually just got invited to speak at an OT program about investing to the OT students. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like I'm so excited about it. But at first I was like, wait, I can't accept this. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, (laughs) and then, and I, that was exactly right. It was like, no, but I can talk to them about, how I was so afraid of it and how did I get over that fear and how did I take those first steps, you know? And so just really that relatability factor, I think is, is so important in, you know, attracting who you want to attract and just establishing those relationships. 
I think the farther away you get from that experience too, like sometimes the person who has just been through it or just been learning about it is the best person to learn from because we break it down right into like the little nuggets of information that people need to learn rather than some investment banker trying to explain (laughs) to a newbie investor how to invest, right? It's too much. They have a curse of knowledge. This is a very real thing. I think a lot of OTs have this. We have the curse of knowledge, right? We think that what we do is so simple. Everybody understands it because of course they understand it. No, no, everyone doesn't understand it. So being close to the learning and being a new learner in an area and being willing to share your learning with people. I mean, honestly, that's how I've built my whole business coaching practice. Like I've just shared the process as I've gone along. And it's something that I'm really proud of, of sharing how the business has grown, sharing the ups and downs, sharing the failures, sharing the successes. Like that's, that's really all you have to do to learn is just reflect, you know, and, and sharing it with others, teaching it or sharing it, sharing it with others is a form of teaching. Teaching is where you really integrate that learning, right? Because you have to really reflect and know how to communicate what you've learned. And that's when it really integrates in your brain and your lifestyle and all of that. So I love that you're doing that and that you're putting yourself out there to share with people about investing. So, oh, we forgot to say, we forgot to say the thing we said at the very beginning before we hit record, which was talking about Instagram growth. When you think about what audience you're serving, right? So I'm interested because you did say that your, your account really had a, a big tick up in growth when you transition to more finance stuff. And we talked before we hit record about how a lot of helping professionals say that they really want to help people, right? They're not interested in the money. And yet they really are interested in making money too. Like most people, most people want, are. Yeah. <laughs> most people want to be paid to do a good job. So I've thought about that some in that I think sometimes certain types of niche audiences are a little bit easier to build a more massive kind of bigger following more quickly, because if you are focusing on a topic that is very important to a large group of people, specifically topics that will help them make money, losing weight is another example, like, right. There's, there's, that's another kind of topic that a lot of people are interested in health and wellness and things like that. So Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, I'm wondering if that has anything to do, I mean, not to make this all about me, but I do think it will help people listening to hear me process some of my own insecurities about my Instagram account. And like, could it be that part of the reason my account has not grown as rapidly is that it's kind of a more niche, it's a very small audience compared to an audience of someone who's like, teaching people how to make Instagram videos or teaching people how to manage their finances or whatever. It's a more broad niche. Does that make sense? What would you say to that? Yeah. I think you have to think about that, like whole average attention span. Like you only have a couple of seconds to hook someone. And I always think about that. I think about that with like the opening line on my caption. I think about on my reel, what's the very first thing that they're going to see if they're scrolling through, what is it going to say? And I think about what makes me stop. So when I'm scrolling aimlessly, Hmm. I try not to, but sometimes I do. (laughs) And when everybody does, like what makes me stop? What, what, 
Am I like, Oh, wait a minute. Okay. I want to look at this. And so thinking about what is it that causes that for you and you making sure within the first couple of seconds of someone setting eyes on your content, they are going to stop and read it all the way through. And they're going to double tap and they're going to share it. And so thinking about that, and I found that with finance, so I strongly believe that a lot of finance is psychology and it's mindset, but I don't always lead with that. Sometimes I just lead Mm. with, Hey, I made, I don't know, something. I don't know. I'm like trying to think of like a caption on the top of my head. Oh, the secret formula to paying off student loan debt. That's like one of the last ones that I did. Right. And you see that and you're like, whoa, okay. What's the secret formula? What's the secret? Yeah. And the secret is there is no secret. (laughs) Yeah. There is actually not a secret. It's just being aware of how you can increase your income and decrease your expenses. And then I tie that into mindset. So Although I prefer to talk about more of the mindset and, you know, the psychology of money and how do we analyze our spending patterns, I kind of lead with something that's going to hook the viewer and then they'll stop and then they'll get to me talking about mindset. And so I found that to be really helpful. It's just, I think that Laura, you have really great content, but that one thing I would work on is just what can I use to hook people? And in finance, sometimes people want to see the numbers. So you could lead with something like, here's how I made 20 K in my business this month. And then you kind of go into all of the nitty gritty stuff that you want to talk about, but just making sure that you have that hook that they're going yep. to stop, you know, and there's yeah, like that's great. words and different things that you can use that will like hook audiences. But again, I don't, I haven't really studied this. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like a learn as I go thing. No, so. but it, but that's good advice. And there are, I was just thinking about that while you were talking that there are, I'm sure if you do a Google search on words to hook an audience mm-hmm. or something like that, it will pop up, but things like secret three steps, the one thing, you know, like, like, and that's copywriting. That's good copywriting. I mean, that's, you can also look at copy, good examples of good copywriting online. will kind of have lists of words that, that are used a lot in copywriting to get people to click in a way that like, it's not clickbait. It's not like you're trying to connive and get someone to click, but it's, it's the world on Instagram and on social media is busy and to get eyes on your stuff. You're right. You need to hook them right away. I do that more in my reels. I do try to start reels generally with some sort of like interesting visual that like, but you're right. Like numbers. That's good advice for me. I'm going to just wait y'all it's coming. No, all the hooks are going to be coming your way on my account. No. (laughs) And I love the, like the numbers too. what you were just saying, like five steps to this or six tips for that. So that's something I do. I think I do that on like every single blog post. And I found that people will actually read the blog post because they know what to expect. It's not just me. You know, it's not just a long paragraph of me rambling. Like there's five things in here that you want to know pertaining to this topic. So you can, and you can use that for your captions. You can use that for reels. I don't do that a lot for my captions and reels, but I do think that's a good strategy too. So just, yeah. And making sure to break it down. I think a lot of times I'm guilty of it and I've seen other content creators do it too. We try to put too much in one post, right? When really the first point we make on the comment, cause who really reads really long captions anymore? Not many people. I mean, it's best to have a couple of sentences and just call it a day and ask for the call to action, right? Like get people to comment, get people to share whatever it is. People aren't reading captions on Instagram like a blog post. They're skimming them. So you got to break it up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> break up the, <laughs> the sentences. No big old paragraphs. All right. Let's talk about money. Speaking of finances. So can you share with us how have you currently monetized your account? Like how have you made money from being on Instagram? 
So I've gotten this question more recently because I've started to do a little bit more of those like sponsorships and collaborations and things Mm -hmm. like that. And what I will say is I have not yet pitched a brand. So anything that I have done, that's been a paid partnership, the brand has actually reached out to me. And I think part of that goes into a lot of times my posts are getting quite a bit of reach. And so they're reaching different people and they're getting shared. And so they're landing somehow on the brand's eyes, or it could be the hashtags that I'm using. I have not actually figured that out yet, but I think it's kind of a combination of all of that. Okay. And so I've gotten different partnerships with a toy company. I've gotten partnerships with a finance app and different things like that most recently. And those partnerships have ranged anywhere from the mid to low 100s to the upper six to 700s per like post or for a blog post or something like that. And so I'm kind of making like I said, between low to mid hundreds per one of those sponsored posts. And sometimes they're paired with a story or sometimes they're paired with a blog post. I have negotiated all of the brand deals that I've had. So I'm a big proponent of negotiating for your job, but you can also negotiate for brands. I recently was reading somewhere that, that they're just constantly pumping more money into social media marketing. So if you have a brand reach out to you and it's not, you don't think it's going to be paid, you can say something like, Oh, thank you for reaching out. I'd love to discuss this further. You know, please let me know what you're looking for as well as your budget. And so that kind of lays out on the table. You want to make that a paid partnership. So in the beginning, I did a lot of partnerships that were not paid and it was just free products, which was great. And and I was able to support a couple of different small businesses. And I Mm -hmm. did that so that I could kind of build up my media kit, which is like your social media resume. Yeah. So once I had that, then when these larger brands started to come to me, I was like, okay, well, here's the the work that I've done in the past. And here's, you know, what these have, here's what these posts and stories have reached. And I kind of use that to negotiate. So I I'm still very much in like the baby steps of monetizing my Instagram. It's really primarily right now through those brand partnerships and collaborations. I will be do well, I've, I've actually done some affiliate marketing too, which is when I did two conferences and I got a commission every time I sold a ticket. So affiliate marketing is when you basically are paid to share like your favorite products and different things like that. And if people use your link or they book a ticket with you, then you get a a percentage of that. So I've done some of that in the past, but again, those, the two people who held those conferences came to me because they were interested in my content and felt that I could provide value for the conference. So like I said, I'm still kind of learning the ropes of how to monetize Instagram in that way. But I I've loved it so far getting to work with really, really awesome brands and just seeing like what that whole process is like has been really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing the numbers too, for the posts like that. I think people often wonder what they can expect if they want to kind of go this route, if they really want, if they enjoy Instagram, they're thinking about monetizing it in the future through paid affiliates or partnerships. There's not a lot of information out there on like, what is the going rate? Like, so it's, thank you for being transparent about those general numbers. What is the affiliate breakdown? Cause I've had, I, I've dipped my toe into affiliate stuff and I'm going to be doing more in the future. Cause my podcast is reaching a large audience and I spend a lot of money and time to produce the podcast, right? I've estimated it's probably about 500 an episode by the time I pay for editing with my own time and all of the prep and all of that. So I feel like that is something that I should be doing kind of sponsor of the podcast or something like that to offset the cost or to pay the whole cost, who knows, but I, but I actually, again, full transparency. I just don't even know what an affiliate type relationship looks like. So if you 
if you are allowed to, I don't even know if you're allowed to with your <laughs> contracts that you have, what's the breakdown for affiliates when you get, and I know what we did for the OT entrepreneur summit for our affiliates and we lost money doing affiliates. <laughs> so oh, we, okay. we, I mean, it was our first time like dipping yeah. our toe in. We learned a lot. It was great. But like, we essentially gave away, I think too much. So I'm interested what the breakdown was. Like if you sell a conference ticket for hundred dollars example, just easy math, what do you get from that? as the affiliate. Okay. Yes. So the conferences, I got 40% per ticket. Okay. Okay. 40% per ticket. And there was no fee or they didn't like pay me to speak at the conference. It was just based on ticket sales. So 40%. Okay. Okay. So you, you essentially were a speaker at the conference and you got 40% of any ticket sales that you sold at the conference. Yes. That's great. That's a, that's a interesting model our affiliates were not speakers, but I think it could be successful to do affiliates for the OT entrepreneur summit. It was, I think on our end, it was dipping our toe in the water to see if it would work. And I think we did not have cart open long enough for the affiliates to really nurture the audience and to have them be able to get enough content out there and have the links tracked and all of that. So it just, I don't know if we, we might've broken even, I maybe shouldn't say we lost money. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but (laughs) it, it just felt like it was it was not hard to organize, but we definitely did not feel like it brought in a ton of money like we thought it was going to. So it's good. You learn from things like that. Absolutely. When you yeah. try to do things. So, and then you also have monetized your account, we should say, by making your own digital product. So, this is something that I, again, we, ch- we said so many great things before we hit record, <laughs> Amir. I keep saying this. We did. But I feel like it's, I often am, um, I've even made reels about it that we shouldn't be focusing on follower account. Like there's plenty of people who have millions of followers on Instagram who aren't monetizing like they should be, or maybe who have like 10, 20,000 people, but they're not monetizing it like they should be. So you can make money with a very small and engaged following. And I've primarily quote unquote, monetized Instagram by connecting with my ideal customers there and then selling my business coaching program in the summit and other products that I have in my business. And the same for my private practice. We've sold, you know, our online course and some nature-based therapy products at Outdoor Kids OT is, is our other account for my private practice. And we've, we've monetized quote unquote Instagram because we promote those products there. And we've made a significant amount of money over six figures in online products in the last year. So even with a small account, like my private practice has about 3000 and my Laura Park fig for business stuff has about two. So you don't have to have 10,000 followers in the swipe up feature even though I really want the swipe up feature, if I'm honest, I do it often with IGTV. You can put an IGTV link and swipe up. So I do that. That's my workaround, but talk about, you can monetize with a digital product, even if you don't have affiliate people reaching out to you. So tell people what you created and feel free to promote it. You're, you're allowed to do that when you're on this podcast. So Oh, you're amazing. Brag on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So let me just preface this by saying this was something that I wanted to do for quite a few months before I actually did it. Hmm. And I kind of had to get 
I don't like even giving imposter syndrome credit, but that's what I had to get over. And I had to get over that uncomfortable feeling of feeling like I'm asking someone for money. Like what? (laughs) this is not what I do, but you just have to think I sat down and I really started to think about how much time and energy do I pour into this Instagram account that is completely unpaid. And so I think I, I felt like I was at a point and this was Honestly, I didn't even have 10,000 followers at this point. I didn't even have the slide book feature at this point. (laughs) And I thought about, I was like, I really feel like I have a supportive community who is ready to not only invest in my, in me and and the value that I bring, but they're ready to invest in themselves. And so I felt like I was at a point where I could introduce something that had a price tag on it. And I was like, all right, we're going to do it and see how it goes. And I met my goal that I had for wanting people to sign up. And so what I created was uh, the first ever Money Monday webinar. And so on my stories, I, on Monday, every other, well, not every other Monday, but occasionally on Mondays, I would do a segment called money Mondays. And I would just talk about a topic. I would do a post. And I found that I had so much engagement, so many questions, but so many very specific questions, things that I really wanted to be able to answer in more than a 15 second Instagram clip. And I was like, I want to do something that's a little bit more intimate and that I can, you know, just really have an extended amount of time to talk about something. And so I created the webinar and my first one was on simple steps to earning more money as an OT. And I basically guided people through how can you maximize your earning potential as an OT, even as a new graduate. And so how have I been able to earn what I really want to earn while working what I want to work and, or when I want to work and also, you know, not burning my so foul and I mean, having time to take off on Friday so that I can record podcast episodes and just yes. really wanting people to know that there is potential out there for you to earn a decent income as an OT. And so really teaching people how to negotiate and how to look at job postings to see if they can tease out if that's going to be some, a company that's going to pay what they want to be paid. And it it was really successful and I was really excited about it. And so it ended. And then I thought about it and I had people reaching out and they were like, I I missed it this time around. Are you going to offer the replay? And I was kind of battling. Did I want to do the replay? Did I not want to do the replay? And I ended up releasing the replay for purchase. And I hit my other goal and to have a certain number of people who would purchase the replay. And so it's just been really exciting to get that feedback and for people to just have something that is, like I said, just a little bit more of that intimate conversation. I'm way more transparent in that webinar than I am on Instagram with like thousands and thousands of people. And it's only like, you know, a handful of us talking and having those conversations. And so I really love that. I love the webinar. I do plan on doing more. It's just, it takes a lot of planning. Yes, (laughs) it it does. a lot of planning, but I do plan on doing more webinars like that. And then the other thing I introduced is one-on-one coaching calls. And so I've started to do coaching calls. I just had one on Monday and I was able to walk this person through a plan that was going to help them meet their goals. And we talked about finance and I was able to sit down, you know, for 45 minutes and say, okay, you want to pick my brain. You have questions for me. Let me answer those for you. And so I, I love that. I just, love coaching people to be able to reach their goals, whether it's professionally or personally. And so that's another way that I've quote unquote monetized Instagram is introducing these coaching calls for people in my community. I love it. If you are getting people asking you if they can quote, pick your brain, that is when you need to start charging people for your expertise. Like that's, that's my opinion. There's, there's nothing wrong with like collaborating and sharing resources for free, but you get to a point, if you are putting good content out there and sharing valuable information with people, you get to a point where you have to start having some boundaries around what is paid and what is just a quick reply, right? On And I actually asked a business coach this question early on in my 
starting my businesses. And she said to me, for me, yes or no questions are always free. Anything beyond that, you, you need to pay for a, for a, for a visit. Right. So mm-hmm. just own your value. Everyone, <laughs> if you start getting Absolutely. a lot of my brain requests, you can start to charge for that. Like, and again, you don't have to be an expert. It's sharing your experience, but it's your time and it's valuing yourself and your time and the things that you've learned because they can benefit other people. And it's okay. If people give you money for that, that is, that is when you build the muscle of like learning something and you have something that valuable to share with people, it's okay to charge people to talk to you. Everyone needs to hear this. I'm not preaching to you, Amira. I'm preaching to anyone listening who feels Absolutely. like, oh, I can never charge anyone. It's like, no, no, you can, you can, it's okay. You can. Um, and I, the thing I encourage people to do is one, identify what is the value of one hour of your time. It, it's, it's really, really helpful for you to do that. That's something I yes. did very early on, even when like a brand is coming to me and I'm like, okay, that's going to take about two and a half hours of my time. Here's my hourly rate that I have set for myself. And so that'll really help you guide in what some things that are some things that you want to do as far as monetizing your platform. Think about just one hour of your time. What is that worth? Put a number on that and that'll help. Yes, you. that I absolutely agree with that. And over time it goes up right? The busier you get, the more you can say like, no, if I use my barometer of 200, $300 an hour, whatever my time is worth, right. As you've gained more experience, it really helps you to filter and to say yes or no to different opportunities. That, that has been a huge, I'm so glad you shared that tip with people because that has been huge for me in the past two years. That is the barometer I use. Is is that the right word or measurement I use? I don't know. I, But I think in my mind, like if my time is worth this much money, is this opportunity going to give me a good return on the investment of my time? So I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that. All right. I want you to give me all the negative feedback about my Instagram account now. (laughs) I told told Amira before we recorded this episode that I wanted her to constructively criticize my Instagram account so all of you could learn to put yourself out there and not be afraid to hear constructive criticism. So you already told me I need to hook people more. So I wrote that down. What else you got for me? I have a question for you. Do you engage with other content, like other people's posts? Cause I know you said you don't like to scroll. Well, I try, but it takes so much time. Amira takes so much time. I, I do think that the, that's why I asked you that question earlier is because I want to do more of that. And I find myself wasting time. I like, can't find the conversation to comment on, or I can't find like, I don't know, in some ways too, I just don't even know who I'm looking for. It's like, is this person running a business? Are they not running a business? Are they just on Instagram? Cause it's fun and they like to share stuff or are they running a business? That's sometimes it's really hard for me to tell if someone who is a therapist is also a business owner. So maybe that's a challenge I have that I didn't even realize until right now when I said it out loud, <laughs> I'm an external processor, which is why podcasting is so great for me. Cause I think that I like realize things mm-hmm. while I'm talking, but that is a challenge I have. So yes, that's what you would tell me to do more. That's what I would tell you. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would also say, I think you have a lot of great educational content, but it's not always shareable content. So making sure that you just have shareable things. So quotes, a little quote that you say or something like that. Oh my gosh. Quotes do so well on my account. Like they're like the most shared thing. It's crazy to me. So do more of those. They're so easy too. Yeah. It's like, I feel like it's too easy. It's almost cheating to put a quote, you know, (laughs) 
but you're telling me to do it more. So I will do a quote. Yes. Do a quote because, because it's shareable. I think, I think Lori, what you have to do is figure out how to get people more, get more people on your page and eyes on your content because the yeah. content itself is good. I wouldn't have you change yeah. anything about it. I would just say you have to figure out ways to draw more people in. So that's going to be engaging with other people and yep. their accounts, putting yourself out there in that way, hooking people so that they come to your account quotes so that people are sharing this stuff from your account. Yep. I found that reels are great for reach, but they, at least for me, they don't get shared very often, but they get a lot of engagement, but they're not necessarily like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of them don't get shared. That could just be my personal experience, but I have found very simple, like carousel posts. So yeah. like putting five really important things that you want to touch on in one simple sentence and a carousel. Carousels are also good for reach because if someone opens their app, right. And they see your, they see that first post in your carousel and they close the app. If they come back into it, the second picture of your carousel will pop back up. So that's yes, like I knew that. Times. Yeah. yeah. That's like two times. If anyone's listening who didn't know that, that is why I love carousels. Even if you're just posting a picture of yourself. So sometimes I like to switch up my feed and make sure somebody sees my face on there too. Cause I think that's mm-hmm. very important, but I prefer to actually post educational and like carousels. So I'll do that as the second one so that they'll see my face. Okay. But then they'll also come back on there and they'll see whatever that information is that I want them to see. So carousels are really important just for getting, getting things shareable and they often have a lot of reach. That's what I found. Yeah. That's, I think I heard that on Tyler. I'm blanking on his name, Tyler McCall. He has, I think his podcast is called the online business show. Mm. Maybe that, maybe I'm saying that wrong. He's an Instagram he's an Instagram expert, like basically teaches people how to use Instagram. And I've never been in his programs, but I heard him speak at the social media marketing conference that I went mm-hmm. to. And I really like his content because he's all about connection and DMS. And like, it's not about like looking awesome and being all aesthetically perfect. And, you know, everything that we've heard about Instagram in the past. Right. I think I heard that on his podcast about the carousel, that if you have, you know, 10 different pictures in it, Instagram will check to see which one will get your followers engaged. So they keep putting the next one in front of people (laughs) as they're on the app. So it gives you 10 times to try to get in Mm -hmm. front of people. So that is, maybe I should do my, uh, my one that's sitting there in Canva after we get off. It's (laughs) It's ready to go. I just need to write a caption. So, okay. Thanks. Those are great. Yeah. Wait, that kind of leads into into my last one for you is, are you consistent with your posting time? Because I feel like, are you consistent? No. Okay. I'm, That's the I'm other thing on I the fly, Amira. <laughs> this is what I do. I have no, I, I have content strategy. I have like mm-hmm. things in Trello, which help me like know what to post. And I, I, I definitely share authentically as I go things mm-hmm. in the business through things in the business. So it's never like pre-planned three weeks in advance because I like to share very authentically about everything. I mean, when I'm low, when I'm really happy, when there's success, when there's good income, when there's not like whatever, like I, I like to share all of that in the moment, but I, and I also am impatient. Like if I make a reel at 11 o'clock at night, I don't want to wait until 6 PM the next day to post it because that's when my engagement is highest, but you're saying that's what I should do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't want to, (laughs) I do agree. I like to post maybe, all right. I like to create a post, maybe a couple days, a week max before I'm actually going to post it. I can't do this content batching stuff because it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me either. When it comes, Mm -hmm. I like to go ahead and post about it. So it's usually within a few days that I like create something, but I do try to stick to the same posting window between about four 30 to five 30 
PST. And that's because that's when most people are like getting off work. So I found that the engagement is a lot better at that time. You could also do early in the morning though. So either in the morning, lunchtime or like afternoon. Well, so you can find this, you can find, I want everyone to hear this. You can find this in your Instagram account. If you go, cause every account's going to be different. And mine shifted a little bit when I moved like to central time versus Pacific, you know, like like it depends mm-hmm. on your audience and where they are. So if you go to your main Instagram page and you click the three lines in the upper right corner, you can go to insights and then it's not very apparent where to find it. But as of August or July, 2021, if you, it doesn't show you immediately, you have to click your audience, click the little thing there, scroll down to the very bottom and it will show you when your followers are most active. So for me, that's why I was joking. I don't want to wait until the next day at 6 p.m. because 6 p.m. for me is when my followers are most active. And it'll show you every day of the week. You can go through every day of the week. Like on Saturdays, 3 p.m. might be the same as 6 p.m. But generally mine is 6 p.m. all the way through here. I'm looking at it. So, okay, I'll do it. That might be your time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it goes just, back to the consistency though. And people like yep. to know what to expect. That's so some true. Of, some of the people I follow, I know when they're going to post. And so I look for it on that okay. day, at that time. Okay. So that helps. This is, this is, this is what I think will help me do this is if I think about it as serving people better, mm-hmm. if I am consistent with it. So it's not about me being, you know, it's it not, it's not necessarily about about me and what's convenient for me. It's about serving my audience well and serving the people that I'm trying to serve well. And so that will help me get over my, but I just want to post it right now. Cause it's like immediate feedback. I love to like post it, walk away, come back an hour later. Oh, people comment. Okay. I can comment back. Like it's, I don't want to wait for the social engagement, know. you know? Like, <laughs> so that's what stories is for. Maybe I could just like schedule it and then go to stories and be like, okay, it's coming guys tomorrow. You know what I could do that too, (laughs) because I have noticed that on your account, how you definitely, in fact, I almost mentioned you last night because I was on stories at like 1030. And I, I was going to say, you know how Amira does her, like I'm signing off for the day. Like I can't, I can't do that. Cause sometimes I don't (laughs) sign off. And then other days I like, don't look at my phone until seven. So I'm not consistent, Mm -hmm. but I think your people know that you sign off at 9 PM or whatever, and you're just not going to engage after that. I think that that's Mm -hmm. a really good strategy to like build boundaries around your own social engagement and having family time and having time when you're not attached to your phone. I I love that. So maybe I should copy that too. This is super helpful to me. Seriously. Like I joked when I first started the podcast that I really just did it so I could get free coaching from everyone (laughs) I interviewed. Kind of true. That is great. I'm I'm super thankful because I I do feel like that is that will help me because I I I I feel like I'm I'm pretty certain, I'm pretty confident in that that the content I share really is trying to be focused on solving problems that small business owners have. And yet it's like getting the eyeballs on it and and figuring out how to like really build community around it and engage more is what I need to do. So all right, I, I have my little list. Oh, one more, more. thing. Just Why one don't more. you do one more, one more. Why don't you do like some lives with other people who are not necessarily in healthcare or not OTs. So they're biz- they, business okay. coaches in other business realms. That oh, might be fun. Interesting. Okay. Or like takeovers, Instagram takeovers, just so that you okay. can connect those with like a different audience. Okay. Those overwhelm me. I don't really know how to do those. 
like, we'll I talk felt, later about that. <laughs> I felt okay. I, I felt really bad because true confessions here. I felt really bad because Cheryl, when I interviewed Cheryl Crow on the podcast about video, we talked about making like engaging mm-hmm. video and she was like, can I do, can I take over your Instagram account for the day? Whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure. Well then like later I realized when I saw people do takeovers, like the other person took over. And so I messaged Cheryl, like end of the day and said, was I, did I do that? Wait, were you expecting I was going to take over your account? She wasn't, but it was just funny to me that mm-hmm. I was so inept. Like, it's just an example of like, you just, you live and learn, you try things, you, you learn how to do them. And I, I do, I love your feedback on collaborating more with like other people. That's, that's like what I love to do anyway. So mm-hmm. good idea. Anything else before yeah, we wrap I up? That's <laughs> I think it. that's a good one. You schooled me pretty good. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm taking it all. I love it. Okay. Perfect. Let's talk about your, our last three little rapid fire questions now. Let's do it. What's your biggest fail learn in your business? A failure that you learned from and how can, Oh, I hit my desk and it went down. Sorry. <laughs> How can other, how can other people avoid that, that little fail learn themselves? Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and to promote yourself and the value that you are bringing, that you know, that you're bringing to your community. I think for me, that was really rough. Like the very, the first time I had my webinar, I talked about it here and there, but I did not talk about it as often as I maybe should have talked about it because I didn't reach quite as I did hit my goal, but I still didn't reach as many people as I would have loved to reach. And I know that that webinar brought so much value, but I was afraid of feeling like I was going to be putting it in people's faces too much. And I had to get over that and realize that I'm putting this out there because I know they need it. And I know that it solves a problem that they're having. And so just reframing it to think about whatever you're offering, however you're trying to monetize on your Instagram, not to be afraid to market it and to promote it. That's something that I've changed this time around and I've had such a great response. And so I have figured out how to talk about the webinar that is now for available for a replay until this evening. And I've talked about it every day since I announced that it was available every single day, whether it's a little PS, whether it's a little funny meme on my stories. And every single time that I have posted about it, I've gotten at least one to two people who went and purchased it because they were able to see it and they saw the value. And that's what I I did not do that last time. The last time I, like I said, I just kind of talked about it here and there and that was it. And so that would be my huge thing because I think as healthcare professionals, it can be very hard for us to do that because like I said before, it feels like, huh, I don't want to ask them for money, but you're not, that's not what you're doing. You are solving a problem that they have. And so just recognizing that you bring that value. Yes. And you highlighted the importance of remembering that not everything you put out on social media is seen by every person that follows you. It has happened to me multiple times. I can so relate to what you just shared because I feel like every time I have launched a course or a program or a product online, I feel like I'm just like, talking about it all. It's all I talk about it when I'm launching, right? It's like, I just am saying it over and over and over and over and over and over. And I'm feeling like I must be completely annoying everyone, even though I try to, I try to often share helpful content while I'm talking about it too. But inevitably it happens that after the card is closed and we've already started the program and I'm not taking more people, people are like, I didn't know about this. I thought I was on your email list and I didn't, you know, so 
I, I always have a few people after the cart closes say, I just missed it. And, and I'm like, how could you have missed it? I sent like <laughs> seven emails and talked about it ad nauseum on all social media channels, but people, not every person that follows you sees everything that you put out there. And so don't be afraid of annoying people. If you annoy someone because you're selling something, they are not your ideal customer anyway. So don't worry That's about true. it. Let them, let them unfollow you and go their merry way. And they'll come back <laughs> to you if they need your help later, you know, like that's today for the first time, I actually felt joy when I saw that I sent an email out to like 2,500 people and four people unsubscribed. Yeah. I was like, oh, four people unsubscribed. That means they were never going to buy from me anyway. They mm -hmm. are not my people. And so great. That's, that's wonderful. You know, it's, it's, it's really being connected to the people that, you know, you can serve and seeking to serve them. You are not selling is serving. Let's think about it that way. Yes, That's how we need it. <laughs> I love that. I love that one. Okay. So now let's do a super positive one. What's going so well right now in your business and how do you think other business owners can have the same type of success? I feel like I'm walking in my purpose and it is the best feeling ever. So Yay. I love early intervention, of course, but there has been something so special about talking about personal finance, especially with other women, especially with people mm -hmm. in the healthcare profession. And then especially people of color, because all of these groups are groups that have often been left out of the finance conversation. It yep. has been dominated by pretty much white males. And so yeah. it's awesome, awesome, awesome to be able to be seeing this gap and filling that gap. And it's just, if you can't tell, I'm just over the moon. So excited that yes. this is like really, really all coming together and just bringing in my lens and background as a occupational therapist and realizing that like, okay, I have this background in psychology and I know about how to figure out what motivates people. And I know how yes. to coach people. And, you know, these are the skills that we learned as OTs, which kind of leads me into my answer to your question is I have figured out how to use my skills as an OT to kind of pivot into something that's not necessarily in a traditional clinical type role. Yes, I do still do early intervention, but I don't see myself leaving now this personal finance kind of community that I'm in as an OT. And so really just encouraging other people to use the skills that you have as an OT to pursue whatever it is that you're passionate about. I mean, there are so many things that OTs can do. So if you don't want to be in the traditional clinical role, that's okay. Use those skills to pursue something else because it's going pretty well for me. <laughs> I love this. This is like the best ending ever to the podcast. I, I'm telling you, it's so good. It's just such a really high note to end on and such an inspiring message for everyone listening. I love it. Tell everyone where they can find you online. I mean, you know, Instagram, but where are anywhere else? I mean, I don't know. Are you anywhere else? I follow you on Instagram, but yes, I, I will have a website www.marvelousmiracles.com. And I have a blog and I would love if you came to hang out with me on my blog, because this is something else I preach. You do not own Instagram, but you do own your blog. Yes. At any point, your Instagram can be hacked, deleted, disappeared. Your things can go away, but you really want to have another place to have all of that amazing content. So I actually take a lot of my Instagram posts and I put them on my blog just so that I have them there. So definitely follow your favorite content creators. If they have blogs, I'm learning how to monetize my own blog right now. And so that's just kind of another way that you can support your favorite content creators. So on my website and blog, of course, on my Instagram, and I do have a Facebook page, but it really just kind of pulls everything from my Instagram over to yeah. my Facebook page. So that's good. <laughs> it's not too much different over there. And then of course, if you're interested in early intervention, you can, we have also a blog and a website 
at www.therealots.com. And then we have an Instagram page, The Real OTs of EI and a podcast too. Is the, <laughs> so the website is therealots.com, mm-hmm. not of EI. No, just therealots.com. Okay, therealots.com. And then we should tell people because miracles is spelled with two R's like your name. Yes. Right? So yes. if you want to find, <laughs> yes, it's a playoff your name because your name is A-M-I-R-R-A. So if you go to her website, it's Marvelous Miracles, M-I-R-R-A-C-L-E-S. So I don't know if it would maybe forward, maybe you should get that other address and have probably, it forward. Yeah, I probably yes. should do that actually. Yes, that <laughs> That's would a be. a idea, Laura. <laughs> yeah, we should look into that. Thank you. After your. <laughs> That is an excellent idea. But anyway, I just didn't want people to, to miss yeah. your, you know, to not be able to find you because it's such mm-hmm. a cute play on your name and I love it. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. This was so fun. This was so fun. And I'm, I'm going to try to control myself to not be on Instagram all night long. Now I'll just, I need to go swimming or something to get my mind off of Instagram yes. because now I just want to go crazy posting content at 6 PM. Everyone. Okay. <laughs> Thanks Amira. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Laura, for having me. Bye. Bye. Wasn't it such a good conversation? I just loved talking with Amira and I learned so much. And my main takeaway was, you know, engagement takes time. Building relationships and supporting others is key when you are building your business on Instagram. And engagement takes time and energy. You can't, there's no shortcut around that. There's all these hacks on Instagram, right? That you can see them on reels. You can see all kinds of experts on Instagram giving you all these hacks. And honestly, yeah, that's fine. Try to save a little time with some kind of hack to make a reel more quickly or to make a post more quickly. But really what I kept thinking about in my conversation with Amira and what kept coming up was how Building relationships takes time, and it is all about the relationships. It's all about the personal connection, lifting others up, and really seeking to serve others with the content that you put out there and the relationships that you and connections that you make on social media, on Instagram, but on social media in general. I think a lot of what we talked about can apply to social media in general. So if you want to truly build relationships, come and meet me in person at the OT Entrepreneur Summit Live in November because I would love to meet you in person. We're going to have so much fun. I hope I see you there. So take a small step over to that otesummit.com website and enter your information to buy your ticket now because small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.